Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. That explanation, I think, was all that it took for everybody to get on the same page, and especially once you for those who were indirectly involved with customers, especially when you were able to communicate how it was and what it was that they were doing and what good looked like. It sounds easy, but I'm sure that there are people at the time of now starting to say, it's not just your responsibility, but actually some of your pay is gonna be reflected upon this that are not in that those customer facing roles, that there would have been some pushback and all those other things. We had become, I think, or were 12, 13 years ago, more inwardly focused on things like strategy that were very tangible, very executable, very measurable in terms of establishing what it was we were looking to do in the marketplace. So hi, everybody. Uh, It's Colin Shaw here. Ryan's unfortunately teaching today, but we had the opportunity to get Glenn Laverty, who's the president and CEO of Rico Canada, to come and talk to us today. So I really wanted to, to use that opportunity. Hi, Glenn. How are you? Good, Colin. How are you? I'm absolutely wonderful and really pleased that you found the time to come on the show. Glenn and I have worked together over a number of years, and Glenn's done some incredible stuff on improving customer experience and linking that to employee engagement. And in fact, the stat that I really love is that Rico Canada have improved their net promoter score by some 34 points over a 30 month period. And that led to a 10% rise in printer sales. And what we're gonna do today, we talk a lot of sort of theory and behavioral economics and emotions and everything else. But what we're going to do today is actually hear from Glenn about, you know, how he went and actually took that and implemented that and some practical stuff of how you can get that type of results. So again, welcome, Glenn. Thanks very much for coming on. And and perhaps you could just start by taking us back and telling us the story. And I'll jump in with questions as we go. Sure, absolutely. Good to join you here today, Colin. It has been a long journey that you and I have been on, no question about it. We started our, really our focus was on creating differentiation in the marketplace through customer experience. I would say that that is the best descriptor I could give you in terms of what we were endeavoring to do. And this goes back now, probably close to, it's over a decade, probably closer to 12 years, 13 years. At the time, we're in a, obviously like most organizations, I guess, in a yeah. very, I would say, competitive marketplace. Though customers have, you know, oftentimes, especially on the hardware product side of things, you know, the behavior of the customer has been to more or less commoditize the offering or the product. And quite frankly, the industry has not done a, you know, I guess has not done a great job from a product standpoint or hardware standpoint of creating massive amounts of differentiation between the tier one players and and other players. We were looking to make sure that while we saw that in the behavior of the customer, that what we were doing is adding value to the equation simply because we wanted to make sure that the customer was going to experience an exceptional customer experience with us 
more so than what they were with our competitors, we felt that we would be tapping into that emotional component of a decision that customers were involved in. So this was an offset or two any level of commoditization of the industry from a a print standpoint. So a couple of things straight away, Glenn. You're obviously in B2B, and one of the most common questions I get in the B2B space is, do emotions apply in the business-to-business arena? So I know they do. (laughs) Yeah, well, I I, I (laughs) agree with you. I think that they do, and all you have to do is reflect on, you know, your own personal perspective on a decision that one has to make in terms of choosing in a B2B environment who you want to do business with. There's little question that if you, you know, as I reflect on our decisions, portions of those decisions, all of them actually, will have a, what I would consider to be an emotional component to the decision. And respecting that, reflecting on that, Understanding that, quite frankly, is part and parcel of why we're so committed to the customer experience and the emotional behavior that comes from a decision to think that we can't stop the journey that we're on. We have to continue. We have to get better at it. Sure. Can I take you back? Because the danger is, is because you, you've been doing this for so long now and been so successful at it that, you know, you, you forget the early days. And what I mean by that is I'm sure when you were sitting in the office and you were chatting to the team that, you know, not everybody was buying in and there was other discussion, I'm sure, about other strategies that you could deploy and, and stuff like that. So, and I'm really trying to think of, you know, there will be listeners out there that are just about to embark upon this journey and, and are just having those early conversations. So can you tell us a bit about the sort of the conversation and and therefore how you ended up deciding to move and, and how it all sort of came about? Yeah. So no question that we had become, I think, or were 12, 13 years ago, more inwardly focused on things like strategy that were very tangible, very executable, very measurable in terms of establishing what it was we were looking to do in the marketplace. I was at times feeling like I might have been the lone voice, but the reality is is I was needing to recognize that there is a differentiator out there and it just, we weren't on it. And that differentiator was really around customer experience. So what happened was I would be insistent that every single decision that we were making around the boardroom at the time would be inclusive of how is this going to impact our customers? How does this impact our customers? How does this impact our customers? And so forcing the mindset to where we would always consider the customer as being at the table with us when we're evolving combinations of strategy and things of that nature, that made it easier and comfortable for us to identify as the, the customer and the customer experience ultimately as being the most common denominator that existed across all parts of our business. Originally, we thought about the five to seven, I guess it was seven, now that I recall, seven touch points that we had with the customers being the most important touch points that we had to improve our approach to the customer and increasing our their experience with us or enhancing their experience with us, I should say. And we've soon recognized within months, Colin, we recognized that hold on a second, we've just made a huge mistake here. It's not just seven touch points. It's every department within the entire organization has a direct or indirect 
impact on customer experience. I mean, if somebody puts a product into a box and doesn't put enough packing into it and it arrives damaged, for example, or it arrives to the wrong address, for example, then quite frankly, that's as big a deal for us as if we just never answered the call, you know, when the customer was contacting. So that was that was fundamental is that we, we came to realize that it was across the entire organization, all 2,200 employees within Rico Canada had a responsibility to deliver an exceptional customer experience, whether it be direct or indirect. And then it became very easy around, again, the board table, around the boardroom table for everyone to recognize that we had to raise our game as it relates to how we were being perceived in the marketplace if we were wanting to be perceived as being better than the rest. And how was that then? Because again, having done this for a few years and knowing you for a number of years, how was that done from a sort of HR, IT, finance, you know, the, the sort of the classic sort of back office that would turn around and go, well, I've got nothing to do with this. It's, you know, this is this is all marketing and sales. This is on customer service. This has nothing to do with me. How do you overcome that? Well, I, I think, first of all, it resonated from those business leaders who were now engaged in communication around the, you know, the initial build out of, of what we refer to as my customer on being involved in understanding how every decision does impact the customer and ultimately how was it impacting the customer. So just by the nature of those business leaders being involved in those conversations, there was, I'll say, by association, they recognized that there was an indirect impact in accounts receivable, for example, which may have been oftentimes situated in administration or situated in finance. They're talking to our customers. So they talk to our customers was critical. Technical service who goes to visit our customers were clearly engaging customers and therefore how were they doing it and what could they do differently? The classic would be supply chain, where when supply chain would look at my customers say, well, all I do is we're logistics. We just deliver the stuff. Well, no, they, they don't. The condition that they deliver it, they're promised, you know, essentially to deliver at what time of day or for that matter, what day was also an impactor associated with customer experience. So soon on, I think everybody started to get the idea. And I used to and still do refer to the fact that Inside of Rico, everyone sells. Like we're all part of a sales organization, really. And so they adapted and adopted, I would say, the mindset that we were trying to, as a team, create. Because I, I don't want to suggest this is me and me alone. It was actually the entire team adapted and adopted. I just, at the time, I wasn't even the CEO when we started this. I was the vocal one at the table because I was running the sales organization. And I could see the impact of good quality experiences versus not so good quality experiences on our customers. And so so that's how I think the adoption came. And then I think the other key element, honestly, Colin, is, and it's human nature, people want to belong. They want to belong to a cause. They want to belong to one thing. And inside of every single person in the organization today, inside of Rico Canada, they have a duty to deliver on exceptional customer experience 
And they belong to the very essence of what we stand for in the marketplace. It has become the rallying cry at every focused effort that we have in the marketplace. We talk about it still all the time in terms of customer experience. Now, things are changing, I will tell you that. But the reality is, is that I also instituted under the bonus structure within Rico Canada for probably the last nine years, I guess, maybe 10 years. We have had an element on our, what we refer to as our corporate factor associated with short-term incentive bonuses is our performance against our planned performance on customer experience using the net promoter score to measure it. Right. And that, correct me if I'm wrong, is across the organization again. So it's everybody. Correct. So that way we get to raise awareness ongoingly in a very natural kind of way without having to be overt about about it on a day-to-day basis, mind you. But but the fact is we are. We just care about the customer experience. We think it's the single biggest differentiator for us. Hi, this is Colin Shaw. I'm really pleased to announce the launch of my seventh book, which I've called Happy Employees Make Happy Customers. The book is about the interconnection between happy employees and a great customer experience. I explain how you can go about building a great employee experience that drives a great customer experience. For my podcast listeners, I'm also pleased to provide you with a special offer of a third off the regular price. All you have to do is to go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash happy. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash happy. And in the promotional code, simply type happy podcast. That's happy podcast. I really hope you enjoy the read. Perhaps we can explore that because, again, I think that's a really key point here as well, Glenn, that lots of organisations, again, would talk about the fact that, you know, they need to involve everybody in the organisation. Not a lot of organisations end up measuring that. Now, again, I know we've discussed this a number of times before, but can you just tell the listeners about sort of the implementation of that? Because, again, it sounds easy. But I'm sure that there are people at the time of now starting to say it's not just your responsibility, but actually some of your pay is going to be reflected upon this that are not in that those customer-facing roles, that there would have been some pushback and all those other things. So, And I think I remember you telling me before that it's something that you wish you'd actually implemented a couple of years before you did because it had such a big effect. Correct. And so when we did go and create, for example, in the bonus structure or the element or the component that's tied to the net promoter score targets, I kicked it off at an annual kickoff that we were doing. So going back, as I say, a number of years ago now, it's been instituted for so long, it's hard to remember when we didn't have it. But the reality is, is that I remember explaining to the organization the shift and change, both in terms of customer behaviors in terms of how they were acquiring product, what the customers or VOC or voice of customer was telling us as to what was important, became very evident to us that what was going to matter is how we performed as an organization to essentially deliver what it is the customer was looking for. It was less per se about, you know, the fact that the product had functional capabilities because many of our competitors would have similar Capabilities, But what they cared about was what's going to happen 
when we start to deploy, what's going to happen when I've had this product for a while? How does the interaction work with our people, i.e. the customers, employees, and so on and so forth? So in explaining that to the employees of Rico Canada, it became actually very, very easy. And I don't want to suggest it was overly simple, but I do say that it was very easy to point to our raison d'etre, why we were here, what we were looking to do. We were looking, obviously, to ensure that we were delivering to the shareholder. We were looking to ensure that we were maintaining a great location, a place in the market, being our brand recognition slash as well as our brand promises being kept. We were also looking, of course, to grow our business, which was essentially that we were going to have to take away from competitors. And once explaining kind of those typical, I will say, expectations of a business, drawing the the line from the fact that we achieve those things through this common denominator, which is in fact our customer, we better first and foremost be focused in on how it is that we're treating and dealing with and communicating with the customer experience. So that, that explanation, I think, was all that it took for everybody to get on the same page. And especially once you, for those who were indirectly involved with customers, especially when you were able to communicate how it was and what it was that they were doing and what good looked like. You know, I, I remember the story, Colin, and I'll, I'll just share it with you very quickly, reading the story about when the U.S. was going to launch and put a man on the moon. It's lore now. But John F. Kennedy goes to Florida to see NASA. And of course, as usual, when the head honcho shows up, everything's spick and span, really clean. People who aren't supposed to be seen aren't seen and so on and so forth. So the story goes that while he was there, he saw a custodian and asked the custodian, what his name was, and they shared pleasantries and then asked him, so what do you do here? He says, my job, Mr. President, is to put a man on the moon. That story I told several times in the effort to convey that we we had a single responsibility and duty, which was to deliver an exceptional customer experience. So I correlated, obviously, that story, which might be folklore, some people say it is, but it came in very handy to align and bring our entire organization together to understand that's our purpose. That's what we do. Okay, Glenn. So I know that you've been, you know, you've been having sort of some evolution in in what you're doing. And I know that, you know, you never stand still. And I know, again, that this whole area of employee engagement and the linkage with customer experience, again, is has started to become even more important. So again, can you talk to the listeners a bit about that? Sure. So as I fast forward and think about where we are today, we've made acquisitions in about 25 to 26% of our business is actually in the services business unrelated to print. So in Canada. So as a result, we did a couple of acquisitions and you're bringing new people into the fold and cultures are different. And, and obviously you're evolving to a singular culture that is focused, for example, on customer experience. But the reality also is, is that As an industry, there's a lot going on. And also, I think in terms of the adoption of technology to create efficiencies within our organization, utilizing, in some cases, those technologies to drive efficiency, we've also seen that there's been a shift in terms of where our headcount were 
from back office, for example, we might have fewer people involved in back office today than we used to. So consequently, you know, over the last two surveys that we've done, employee engagement surveys that we've done, we've noticed that there's been a, a decrease. We've started to understand why and what constitutes that decrease. But that has got us very concerned because we fundamentally believe, and as we always have, is that we cannot deliver an exceptional customer experience without a highly engaged employee base. So our employee engagement levels have now become also part of our focus because of the direct linkage between highly engaged employees, of course, and CX or customer experience. So now we're really sort of taking a a deeper look at the connection and a deeper fundamental commitment to how we approach that. Great. So when you're looking at, you know, there's there's clearly a difference between just employee satisfaction and engagement of people. And again, one of the things that I always talk about when it comes to this is at the end of the day, you're talking about human beings. So, you know, whether you're talking about customers, whether you're talking about employees, the same principles apply. So, you know, even down into sort of designing experiences, well, guess what? You know, you should be designing employee experiences as well as designing customer experiences. Have you got into any of that type of work yet? Or, or We have. So right now we're looking at two tools outside the organization. We haven't landed on which one we're going to use yet, but we're looking at two tools that will enhance employee engagement. Because one of the things that we've learned from feedback from employees is that the connection with their, call it their, you know, who they directly report in, keeping up to speed and aware of all of the things that are going on in the organization has been a challenge actually as of late. So consequently, we're looking at these tools which will enhance the engagement level between an employee and their direct report or who they directly report into. And it's something that can be monitored. It's We have a very open, I would say we have a very open culture, but we need to improve on the communication and the interaction between those employees. So that's one of the things that we're doing. We're going to land on that. I would say that by the end of September, we'll have landed on where we're going to go with which tool. Of course, we get verbatims on employee engagement surveys as well. So we address those. And then we do a cascade event because we have all the information broken down by region and even department. So we cascade all the information in the, and raise the awareness in terms of what was being said and what we're going to do to address the buckets associated with those concerns expressed by employees. Again, not unusual. However, one of the things that we do have in place is we have a local management council and I have one of my team members, the executive management team, I'll call them the liaison or the individual who is connected between the local management council, which is made up of a cross section of departments and corporate. And we're raising employee engagement as a key initiative for the EMT member, my team members, to get right inside of all of the things that we can and should be doing to improve or enhance employee engagement at a regional level. Of course, we're going to do that at a corporate head office level as well. Great. So 
let's sort of try and pull this together and, and maybe try and give some advice to people at the end here. If somebody was just starting to take the journey that you have of going, I need to improve our experience and, and they were just starting off, what advice would you give people? Don't be shocked if your score comes out, whatever you choose to use to score, whether yeah. more score or CLI or whatever, don't be shocked at the numbers coming back and not being what you think they should be or what you think they are. Oftentimes, and you get the truth from customers, let's face it, and a net promoter score, you know, I remember our first net promoter score being absurdly low. We were 25. You know, we've been in the mid 70s now for years and we're trying to figure out how to improve that. And for a decent sized organization or a larger organization, that's a pretty good score. But when I see these employee engagements, you know, surveys coming back and they're down slightly from where they were, I'm very, very cognizant of the fact that there's a connection there and I do want to address that employee engagement piece. So first piece of advice, don't be shocked when they're not good at the outset. Use it as a a beacon in terms of where you're going and constantly communicate what it is that's being done and how the results pan out. We saw a five point, you mentioned the increase in points. We had 34 points in that 34 points over that, you know, year and a half period, or actually more than a year and a half period, it was two and a half year period. The reality was that we got the biggest bump from something we called field activated customer experience face. So what I'm saying is also recognize that there are things that you will do well that can give you a bump. Five months was extraordinary. It was ridiculous. Like, you don't, the needle moves very slowly. And don't be surprised when you get informed by your customers that you're not doing a good enough job. And be sure to look back at what did you do that impacted the customer experience and fix it, like correct it. Because the customers will reward you once you do that. And I think the other thing that I've always admired in what you've done is you've kept the faith, you've been consistent. And you haven't just looked at the short term, you've looked at the the longer term benefit of this. I do think too many organizations just look at the short term and, you know, jump on a bandwagon and are not really committed to it. And Colin, the other thing that I would say, my advice would be tie hard numbers and relational KPIs to the effort. Because I'm going to tell you, we have unbelievable retention rates of customers. And so I think it's not that that we don't get tested in the market and they don't take us to market and look at it, but our retention rate is far superior to the average in this industry. And it's fundamentally back to kind of what we absolutely believe in our hearts is our duty, which is basically to deliver an exceptional customer experience through highly engaged employees, period. Great. Yeah, well, you've done a great job, Glenn. So thanks very much for, for sharing the story today. If people want to get hold of you or get hold of Rico, then how should they do that? Yeah, so I'm at Rico Canada. So it's ricocanada.ca, which is, you know, where we are from a web standpoint. You know, my email is glenn.laverty at rico.ca and females come in and people are interested in having a chat and uh, I'll try to make time for that or end or respond. Great. Good. Thanks so much, Glenn. Much appreciated. Okay. And I look forward to hearing of your further successes as we go. All right. All the best, Colin. Thanks so much.
This has been the Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.